it's all very well talking about being real, showing up real, having authentic conversations online and offline, but hey, could we do with a few tips on how? Yes, we could. Hello, I'm Trisha Lewis. This is the Make It Real podcast, and I will be talking to very real people who've had very real experience, mistakes and everything, and they will be giving you those tips. So, stay tuned. So, hi, Taz. Hello, Tricia. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And we've just discussed our geographical locations. Uh, here am I in Bournemouth, knowing absolutely nothing about where you are, which is in far away Lincolnshire. I know we are. We are the blot on the landscape. We're not actually. We've done a lot of rough press, press for this part of the world. It was once voted one of the one of the ugliest landscapes in Britain. But I love it because you know there's, there's lots of arable land. There's not lots of wild land. And it's so flat. I think that that's why people give it that bad press. It's absolutely flat. But you do not get sunsets and sunrises anywhere in the world like you do here. So I love it. That is, there we go. Taz is actually, uh, listeners, working for the Lincolnshire Tourist Board. Um, and then, I'm not, yeah, the Lincolnshire Tourist Board, if you're listening, I'm always open to others. <laughs> so in all seriousness, Taz, um, Taz and I met sort of on LinkedIn, which I think my listeners will have figured out now is a, a, a very good place to meet people. And um, I'll just give you what the basics. Inspirational speaker award-winning coach and trainer and best-selling author and if you now tell us Taz the name of your book that kind of leads us into what you do. Okay my first book was called Whispers from the Earth, my second book was Unleash Your Awesome and I've got three more stacked up waiting to go with different publishers that I'm a bit behind on. <laughs> Whoa! So Unleash Your Awesome um, is of course the the, the tagline that you've got all over your love yep, that's my hashtag yep unleash your awesome so um this is kind of where we're going to go in this episode and i think the way that anybody unleashes anything um always kind of starts with stories because we all have a story and there's usually a moment where we sort of decide we're going to open doors or close them isn't there so absolutely yes yeah yeah just give us a little snippet of your uh, of your story Taz a little snippet What's a little snippet <laughs> a little snippet interestingly enough I was delivering a, a talk to a business group this morning and I was talking about just this so I'll give you the the potted history rather than going to the usual 45 minute talk spiel so in my background, there's an abusive relationship and very abusive, but it was all that kind of gray area of abuse, that, that, that abuse that we now very often fit in, in under the heading of gaslighting. So I used to kind of pray that it just punched me because I don't know what to do. Um, at the same time, I was struggling with all kinds of, of other things. I was going through terrible depression. I was rattling with antidepressants. I had lost so much of the essence of me I didn't know who I was anymore and I thought back then my only way out of that was just to get out of life so I tried praying to whoever was listening and asking for terminal illness I've done a lot of energy work to undo that since believe me with to use another one of my hashtags hippie shit done a lot of woo work you know I don't believe there's any such thing as woo I think there just is but that's probably another story for another day 
But ultimately, when they didn't kill me off as I asked them to, I thought about suicide, didn't want to leave that kind of trail for, for my parents, my mum in particular, I'm an only child, I didn't trust that she wouldn't go completely off the rails, and I didn't want to leave that kind of destruction. So I decided I'd do my best to die accidentally. So my mega big exciting plan that was the answer to all things was to take as many risks as I could every single day in the hope that something would knock me off the planet and I wouldn't have to end up back at that front door that I would have done anything to avoid. And it culminated in me driving to work early one morning. And the pun I always make in my talks is that I was news editor for a local newspaper group at the time. And I convinced myself that I needed to get into the office early and needed to drive like a lunatic because I had a brilliant front page lead from a council planning meeting the night before. Now, anyone listening who's ever been to a local planning meeting, you don't very often get big, exciting news outside of a new, you know, superstore that will take trade away from the town. <laughs> the most exciting thing on that agenda was actually whether Bill and Ethel would be allowed to have a large erection in their back garden. But anyway, that's a shed, just in case you're wondering. Um, I started to drive to work along one of those roads that I'd reported on lots of times, one of those country roads with wines and bends and, you know, hidden summits. One of those I'd, I'd written headlines about before, one of those death trap roads that I need to do something before it claims more lives. And then my opportunity to have my own life claimed presented. So I got onto this road, drove like an idiot. Long story short, overtook on the brow of a hill. Another car came towards me. I had a couple of seconds of this is it, I'm getting out of bliss. And then very quickly re recognised that it didn't matter how big my own death wish was, I couldn't take anyone else out in the process. That wasn't part of my makeup. So I slammed on the anchors. Unfortunately, I was driving a B-Reg Ford Escort. Some braking systems in old B-Reg Ford Escorts are not like the braking systems today. I went into a scared, lost control, ended up at the bottom of a very deep ditch where a tree stump broke my fall. I uh, wrote off the car, didn't realise that at the time, insisted on going into work. My editor, Dave, because all the best old school editors are called Dave, aren't they? Dave said, you've had a bit of a shock, Taz, so I'll take you to the pub at lunchtime and get you a nice stiff brandy. So lunchtime came and we walked to the pub, about a mile, mile and a half, walked back again. I remember sitting at my desk and a guy from production coming in saying, I've got your front page lead, guys, there's a car over there that's written off. No way anybody got out of that. That's my car, Colin. That was me. Yay. Go team Taz. And anyway, long story short, it got to about three o'clock in the afternoon and I thought, oh, my neck's a bit sore and my back's a bit sore. Fast forward, I was in A&E and having had x-rays done, I was being hurriedly placed onto a flatbed, having my head packed in sandbags. And I lay there for nine hours without anyone telling me what was going on. And at the end of that time, they told me that I'd broken my back in three places. And I'd been walking around on it all day. Um, yeah, that was one of those moments where I genuinely went from, it sounds so cliched, but I went from hopeless to hopeful. And I started calling out in my inside voice, not externally, because I didn't want to be directed to that ward. You know, so <laughs> calling out again to whoever might have been listening that I get it just let me walk, just let me walk, you know, you idiot Taz, you've tried to check out, you've, you've ended up making yourself even more trapped, you've lost your car now, that's written off, and now, well, the first thing you think, well, I thought at least when they said spinal damage is I'm going to be paralysed. So yeah. I went from let me die to let me walk, and I promise that I will use everything I've been through 
to help other people. I will go and speak out for all of those other people who've got to be trapped in this grey area or feel trapped because now I don't believe boys are trapped. No such thing as being trapped. That's just a mindset. Um, so I got out of that relationship. It was messy. There were death threats. Police had to be involved. I had to go into hiding. It was really quite dire. Ironically, once I decided I wanted to live, I was pretty sure he was going to find me and kill me. And that was terrifying for a while. And then I promptly forgot everything I'd promised and went back into goal setting. So that took me to my early 30s. I ended up as UK director for what at the time was one of the world's biggest multinational publishing companies. Listeners, give me an ooh! And <laughs> of course, it was all great on paper, but I was shriveling up on the inside. It didn't matter. It was great for the ego, but crushing for the soul. And I kept going and kept just you know, a mate I used to work with used to use this awful analogy that was I'm like a rat in the sewers. I'm just going through the motions. Think about it. Yeah, <laughs> but, yes. but that was me. So I was going to work, putting the makeup on, hiding behind the piss, right? Getting through to lunchtime, calling home and crying, makeup back on, jacket back on, get through the afternoon, come home, drink too much whiskey, cry. And that went on until in 2006, I had what I lovingly refer to as my eight weeks of hell in which my uncle died my dad died unexpectedly the kind of fortune i thought i'd had we realized very quickly i didn't have some old some debts came to light we haven't been aware of um i was dealing with with coming out as well because my mum bless her had always said i don't care who knows when your dad dies okay so now wow. so there's that to deal with um Two nights after dad died, I went back into self-preservation mode and back into goal setting and went to a head office meeting in Paris, which of course I couldn't possibly avoid. I could, I just needed some respite. And I sat through that meeting. Dad died in October. And when I got there, having had the other directors tell me that I should not mention the fact that my dad had died because it might dampen the meeting somewhat. I sat in that meeting with a forced grin, one of those that looks like you've been sleeping with a coat hanger in your mouth while, while the French bosses talked about their Day of the Dead celebrations and got back home from that meeting to find the one night I'd been away, somebody broke it, broke into mum's house while it was all the outbuildings, the theatrical house, but hello guilt, one night I go away, that happens. And then a couple of weeks after that, my then partner, now wife, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and then made redundant all in an eight-week period. And at the end of that time, when I found myself rocking and crying and hiding under my mum's dining room table, I knew that something really did have to give and it couldn't keep being me. So, you know what I said about hindsight being twenty twenty. I don't think I realised at the time that I was going through a breakdown. I only realised in retrospect mm. that I'd been through a breakdown. I worked through a breakdown for four years without anyone knowing, just dropped yeah. a foot at home. But during that time, I recognized that the one thing that actually made me feel full was helping other people. So mm. I went through this phase where I'd go and find people in other departments who, for whatever reason, weren't doing very well and were about to be shown the door and said, can I just try? And their managers would go, you know, looking at the, looking at the director, and thinking, what, what does she want to get involved for? Let me just have a go. And every time I managed to turn them around. Mm. and so that's where I started to realize my spark came from I'd already got an interest in all things other I'd been working with shamans and medicine people for some time learning really ancient personal development techniques and for anyone listening who's wondering no it does not mean taking hallucinogens and ayahuasca that's 
not what I do. That's a tiny, tiny part of the global shamanic map that our friends at the Daily Fascist, sorry, I mean the Daily Mail, have spun all kinds of magical stories around. Um, <laughs> you just need a drum beat or your breath or rhythm, that's all you need. Uh, so I was learning there. I was training in neurolinguistic programming. I trained as an enterprise mentor. Of course, I'd got all the corporate people management stuff that you'd expect at that level of job. And then one of the first opportunities that dropped into my lap when I left that job after I dug my way out, my way out with a teaspoon by creating my mm. own redundancy to create a bit of a cushion, I was asked, would you like to train to be a firewalk instructor with the tr same guys that trained Tony Robbins? Well, go on there. <laughs> okay. Random <laughs> so by the, opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time I left, I'd trained in all these amazing kind of traditional soul doctoring techniques, if yeah. you like. I'd got the brain stuff with NLP, I'd got some mentoring and coaching training, I'd got all the top level people management stuff, and now I'd got this amazing raft of extreme empowerment techniques, including firewalking. So How I left for Tell me, oh, sorry, I, 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 no, that's okay. I, I just, I'm being the questioning mind of, of the listener. Go for it. For anyone who for, for anyone who hasn't done firewalking, and of course that <laughs> might be that might be quite a few people, Taz. Um, everybody's done firewalking. Yeah, give us the give us the, the nugget of what what it. So you see, I, I'm assuming that it's kind of the mind over matter kind of thing. Yeah. That yeah. So so how's it? There's loads. It there's loads and loads of different arguments about it. If you talk to the science guys, they'll talk to you about a couple of different. Um, ideas they have. One is that your feet aren't on the coals for long enough to burn. Another is that you have a fine sheen of sweat on the uh, soles of your feet. Lovely, isn't it? And that burns <laughs> off first. But I am a big believer in it being mind over matter to the yeah. point where once I'd trained, one of the things I thought was, how can I disprove those theories if only to myself? I know. I wonder if I can try fire standing and not burn. Ooh. So I did that. There are pictures of me standing on hot coals and you can see my feet aren't blurred. So I'm clearly not moving. <laughs> so, you know, only for only for like, I don't know, 20, somewhere between 20 yeah. seconds, between 20 seconds and a, and a minute is about my limit before I go, oh, shit, I'm standing on 1200 degrees burning coals. I, should, <laughs> I probably should move. And what, um, were you do, what were you doing in your in your mind then at that point? What were you doing? Just it, do you think of something yeah. else or? You can do that. Depends how woo you want to get. Because of the training I've had with with shamans, with medicine people, because of that way of life being integral to everything that I do. And at the heart of shamanism is animism. So the belief that everything has an energy, therefore you can work with that energy as if it was a consciousness. So one of the things that, that I do is is work on bringing my own energy up to the same level as as the the coals. I also work a lot with what i would refer to as as spirit guides some of you guys if you want to believe it's just your unconscious or universe matters not to me so long as it works I don't care what mm -hmm. name you give it mm -hmm. i don't care whether you believe it's internal external or anything else um i'm putting myself into a very very deep meditative state i'm almost slowing time yeah and yeah slows, my breathing slows my heart rate slows and I just become one with the energy of it all. I mean, that sounds terribly so, tree-huggy, doesn't it? I don't care. Do you know, it's funny. We, we've all got incredibly um, weirded out about using certain words these days. I've noticed it becoming... It, it's just like becoming an increasing anxiety for everybody because I use the word authentic and the number of times I heard it on the radio yesterday, somebody saying, 
oh, well, you know, I hate to say it, but oh, authentic. And I thought, why? What you have just described yes. this person is. Yes, exactly. yes, 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 yes. Yes. But you see, the question I always ask, there's a, there's kind of a body of coaches and self-proclaimed gurus who have an issue with the word authentic. And for me, you've got to ask why they have an issue with the word authentic. Now, there is, a, there is another way of looking at it in that nobody should ever have to tell me that they are authentic. Show me. Don't tell me. If somebody says, hey, I'm authentic, I get big alarm bells going off. So nobody should need to say I am authentic. But there is a massive need now more than ever for there to be far more emphasis on authenticity. There is so much plastic in the world, not just in the oceans, but on social media as well. So we yeah. need authenticity now. Oh I, like, oh, I like that. That's good. That's going in the show notes. Nice quote. <laughs> Love it. Love it. No, I, I agree. Head, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. That is good. And when you when you talk about um, tree hugging, see, I, 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 I don't have a problem with that at all because no. I think I think that's another place we all get kind of we put people into boxes and oh they're tree huggers or they're this or they're that or the other I mean it's just the world and it's just our mind and our body and it's all working together and there is nothing woo woo about that I don't believe there's actually any such thing as woo I think there's (laughs) just stuff that science hasn't explained yet and in some ways I wish science would stop trying to explain it because science is the enemy of faith and I use that with a, a small F because I think lots of religious organizations have tried to claim it as their own and faith has nothing to do with organized religion it's it's having belief in something that we can't explain and I think if we take away faith with the small f from the human race well then what do we have to believe mm. in it's like all these cases of people who've been poverty stricken or had poverty mindset at least at least through their entire lives mm. and then win the lottery and feel absolutely depressed and as if Mm. they have nothing left to strive for yeah we need an element of faith we need an element of believing in that which we cannot understand so i think we need to stop trying to explain ourselves within an inch of our lives use science for healing cancer not for taking away faith (sighs) yeah and and it's funny because i thought a lot recently about the idea that people should get into enjoying the process of stuff more and not constantly obsessing about outcomes and achievements and you know i know and there we go there's another one taz i am i am going to reclaim that phrase (laughs) and not worry about it being a cliche enjoy the journey it's crucial yeah it really really is and you know on the tree hugging thing there's, there's an old quote i forget who it's from now but it's one that you know us coaches come up with every so often about the guy who said you know what if if somebody stops on that walks home from work and every night they stop and stand and just talk to a lamppost and offload their problems at the end of a few months they're going to feel a hell of a lot better so imagine what we can do when we can talk back and it's the same with tree hugging yes i believe there's an extra energy going on there and you know depending on the age of that tree what has it seen what has it experienced what has it absorbed seen in air quotes obviously that Mm. that we haven't so I do believe there's an energy there. I hope there's an energy with a lamppost too. Yeah. But if you go back into tribal cultures, a lot of tribal cultures used to have what they called a, 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 a talking tree. And it was one tree where the villagers, one by one, would go to and they would just use this tree to offload their problems. And of course, they might believe that the problems were being absorbed and going through the trunk of the tree and deep down into the earth to be reabsorbed by the grid and turned into pretty daisies or, or whatever. <laughs> they would feel better 
for offloading. Yep. So again, it's the same thing. You know, yeah. do I hug trees? I don't think I ever actually hugged the tree until somebody told me about tree hugging. And then I thought, oh, I'll try that. And, you know, <laughs> I used to cl climb trees a lot. I climb trees now. I love climbing trees when I'm not wearing my, my, my lovely branded Converse. Trying to <laughs> yeah. You don't you don't climb a tree in the custom comes, baby. Definitely <laughs> not. No, no. Taz has some very flashy, lovely pink converse. We won't go into that. But oh, you yeah, should see I, sparkly dot markings. <laughs> oh my god! No, I love this. This is fascinating. So going back to right, so so you have just shared um, your story uh, or part oh, of your story. Yep. part of your story. Um, and how do you think pe people? Are probably a lot of people are freaked out about how much they should share their story. So yeah. we, we've all got. Bit, yeah. I think I did quite. I'm going to admit. I think I did quite a clever thing, Taz. Okay. What when did I you said do? this, tell but, me, tell yeah, me. this is clever. Okay, just pretend I'm a, you, pretend I'm a lamppost. No, just me. between you and me. Okay. <laughs> so listening. I um, talked about imposter syndrome okay don't worry about labels and all those yeah. things because that would be a whole nother yeah. episode yeah but let you know i do there is there is a thing that certainly is useful to identify in yourself and kind of figure out and do some forensics on and it sort of has the qualities of what you often see listed about imposters in it and it yeah. wasn't really until i set up the business that this came hitting me right in the face i thought yeah. oh Punching and I didn't know what was going on, yeah. and my lovely, calm, sensible, analytical, wonderful husband just occasionally would say things like, "That's not really rational, is?" <laughs> and and so I began to get a little bit more rational about my emotional responses to everything. And uh -huh. sure enough, I thought, "Geez, this is what it is." And then, of course, I realised in hindsight how much it had been with me all my life. So. Yeah um there's a reason for this and i will get oh yes yeah, so i went out and did workshops and talks about this quite a lot and actually yeah. that was my kind of way of saying because i'm an actor taz and in many ways i might have come across as this massively confident blah 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 person mm -hmm. well we can all fake that can't we i'm <laughs> quite an introvert but yeah. so well, I'm an introvert too. This is the weird, this is the crazy thing, and people don't believe that. I was like, oh. Anyway, so I found that doing this was a lovely, quite slightly controlled, but at the same time very connecting way of of becoming very human in people's kind of worlds yes. around here yes. and maybe that's one way of doing because i think people sort of think oh i can't blabber all that over linkedin people will think i'm a weirdo or whatever what's your thoughts on this two things firstly a quick note on imposter syndrome point one i think everybody has it to some extent it's, yep. oh my god one day they're going to find out i remember saying that to someone once and i said yeah but find out what does <laughs> well i don't know i just heard somebody else say it it sounded quite cool so <laughs> and so, yeah. secondly i don't think any of us should actually be aiming to completely get rid of imposter syndrome i think we just need to hold it in balance because the beautiful thing about imposter yeah. syndrome is yeah. that it stops us becoming an arrogant asshole dunning kruger effect being the yeah. uh, up the up opposite end of the spectrum delusional yeah, yeah asshole yeah. very, very absolutely. good absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what do i think about that well 
when I first leapt out of corporate, my safety zone was going in to run my partner's business with her. She was doing a copywriting business and we rebranded it into Turquoise Tiger and it became social media training and social media done for you and some PR and all that. We both have backgrounds in journalism and marketing and it made sense. These days she's got sick of assholes and now she does content coaching with people instead of doing it for them. But when we were <laughs> way back in the day, when we were training people in social, we were telling people about the importance of sharing the story of the people behind the business, you know, before the personal brand phrase was, was coined. And I thought I was doing it. I thought I was being absolutely authentic. I thought I was being absolutely open. In retrospect, I was sitting at the edge of the dance floor tapping my toes, but I wasn't having a boogie in the middle of the room. And what tipped me out of that quite famously now for those who've been following me is some years back somebody said something on social media and it was something about oh you only live once and I started to type out this long reply but, you know, I, I'm not sure we do only live once but uh, this is the only one we've got now so we should make the most of it and eventually I got bored of typing I thought I'm going to do a video and it was before the days of live streaming. I know it's become you know, second nature now, but honestly, it's not that far ago, far back to people that we didn't have live streaming. <laughs> so I flicked the camera onto me and think I hooked it onto the interior mirror in my car with a hairband or something. And you can tell it wasn't planned because my hair was a mess. I wasn't wearing any branded gear. And I rambled. This video broke every rule in the book. It went on for about 10 minutes. There was no real flow to it. But I remember I started it by saying, I'm going to share something that I've never shared before in this way. And I talked about having been through the abuse. I talked about breaking my back. I talked about the other time when I was interrupted before I went over my parents' banister with my childhood karate belt around my neck. I talked about some of my dreams, my aspirations for the future. I talked about how I wanted to use some of the stuff in my past to help other people that your past didn't need to define your future but it could really empower your future if, if we learn to find the teachings in it and to flip your negatives and I hit send and I thought it's okay because it's just my pal's going to say that see that and I, I trust them enough to, to know and within minutes my phone started lighting up like a circus tent like, oh my god oh my god what's what's going on and for the sake of you listening I now have my hands on my face looking like you know the screen <laughs> what's going on what do i do what what why is my phone going so crazy and then i checked and i'd neglected to hit friends only <gasps> panic 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 <gasps> what do i do shit i'm going to end up being typecast as abuse girl or the girl who couldn't even kill herself properly i'm going to my, my business is going to be in tatters my my reputation is going to be through the floor i know i talk about authenticity and telling your story but that's a step too far what do i do my finger was hovering over the delete button and then it's so far back that it was before Facebook filtered messages into other if you weren't connected to them. And the first message popped through from somebody I wasn't connected to, never heard of. And they said, I've just watched your video. I've been suicidal for years and I've decided I want to live. Wow. Chills. And then another one came through saying, I've just seen your video and I've sent it to my nephew. He's tried to kill himself three, four times now, but I think it might help. And then somebody else came through saying, I've been through abuse. I kept choosing the wrong people. I know that it was my choice now and I've, I've listened to you and you're right, I can use it. And all this started to flow. So I decided to leave it live because I'm a big believer in everything happening exactly as it should, exactly as it should mm. exactly the right time. 
So I left it and these messages kept flooding in and I stopped counting at 40,000 global views. What? I, ended up, I know I ended up putting a copy of it then onto my business page and one onto YouTube. And I ended up in Huffington Post on BBC Radio and Kindred Spirit and Diva magazine. I ended up in lots of local and regional newspapers as well. And it went ballistic. And to this day, I still every now and then get a message from someone saying, I've just seen that video. And it saved my life. Jeez. So that is really what made me recognise that I was talking about the importance of allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But until I, until I did that, I wasn't making myself metaphorically naked. I was just taking myself off. Mm-hmm. And now I honestly believe that vulnerability is a superpower because if I look at all the inadverted commas success I've had up to this point, whether it's awards whether it's tv and radio appearances i can trace everything back to that video in fact if i look at i I was approached by county council to say you do these empowerment programs would you work with us to create a a a pilot project empowerment project for people who've been through domestic abuse because our system can get people into a safe house and put them on a waiting list for some counseling but there's nothing to help build people back into being active members of society mm. and that came from that video too mm. everything came from that and i wasn't typecast i think at first i ended up with probably 80 85 percent of the new clients coming through had been through abuse of some kind mm-hmm. and so there was just that relatability yeah they knew that i was putting myself out there they knew that that i had a strong personal brand they knew that my business was growing and that meant they felt they could trust me and I'd be able to help pull their story out of them. Mm. And it all went from there. Um, so it didn't have any disastrous effects. In fact, it rocket fueled my business. It was unintentional. It wasn't a shrewd business move. Again, mm. I would have had branded hair, branded gear on and yeah. hair and perfect makeup had that, that <laughs> been the case. But do you know what? what that, yeah, I'm just thinking. So I, yeah, I love that story. And I, and I, and um uh yeah i love that story that that but now there is another side to this which occurs to me um so here am i talking about oh yeah my imposter syndrome and actually yes i also had a gaslighting <laughs> first husband <laughs> Um, or, Why is it tough for you to say that, though? <laughs> Why are you using the same voice to talk about that that our parents used to use when they used to say, you know, down there? You're using the down there voice to say, been through abuse. How many of us, if we're really honest, have been through abuse? You know, most of us have in some form. I and yet we're all like, oh no, I can't say that. I know. Wait, the, 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 <laughs> the question. I think quite a few people that know me know I'm I'm on marriage number three. Um, um, you know, and oh. and so I, I've had the most fantastically crazy journey in terms of all of that. So, but the thing is, I'm also, and I'm so I'm I'm really aware of how all of that massive experience, bloody blah, has enables me to really work well with clients and all the rest of it i mean it's just yeah. it's, it's just a big thing but what i'm thinking about it's just is those a big thing out... she says whilst trying to make it really tiny yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh um 
Yeah, so what, what I'm thinking about is the people out there who might be thinking, do you know what? It's a little bit like you get really famous artists and authors and, and uh, actors, and they all seem to have these incredibly dramatic stories and everything's very grand. And then, you know, the, the starving artist in the turret, all the rest of it. Yeah. There, there might be people out there thinking, oh, so to be honest, unless I've, you know, tried to commit suicide, um, had an abusive relationship, whatever, whatever, uh, what use am I out there? Nobody's going to be interested in me. Yeah, it's just yeah. boring. So yeah. we, need, we need to bring this back around to the fact that it's not actually about the specifics of the story. No, we, yeah. should, we must not go into comparison. There's a video I put out there a while back. If you search for a video I put out there with the headline, C words to look out for, and I promise I don't use my favourite C word in that video. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one of the traps we fall into is this dreadful comparison trap. You know, we will have all been in situations where we look at someone and think, My God, look at everything they've been through. How are they still alive? But that same person might be looking back at us thinking, My God, look at everything they've been through. How are they still alive? Because yeah. it's subjective. You know, Another one of those phrases that the, the same people who have an, an issue with authenticity have, take issue with is the Tony Robbins style, take massive action. You know, so many people have an issue with, with people telling people to take massive action. But the story I tell behind this, and I, th I think this relates quite well, is that massive action is absolutely subjective. So the first time I ran one of these pilot um, empowerment projects for people who've been through domestic abuse a lady filed in and she had had to be dropped right at the door by her I guess you'd call it carer assistant something like that and she'd been through this horrendously abusive time she'd been locked in a room she'd been forcibly drugged she'd been you know down as to keep her quiet if anyone was at the house up as to make sure she got up and and, and cleaned up um, by the time she escaped, she was severely agoraphobic from being kept in that tiny room. She was clinically addicted to the drugs, which meant that she lost her kids when she got out of the abusive relationship. And she was a wreck. Her teeth had rotted away from the drugs as well. She had no self-esteem. And like most of the women, because the, the workshops that I did weren't specifically for women, but they tended up, this first one was women. They did the stereotypical thing that you might expect. I'm sitting there at the front of the room and they all come in and they've got their arms folded and they're like, what's she going to tell us? Privileged yep. pinkhead, Philip, you know. Yeah. All of that stuff. And so I pressed that vulnerability button again and I started to share my story. And the more I went into it, the more they gradually unfolded their arms and sat forwards. And by lunchtime, this severely agoraphobic lady had walked into town to get a sandwich. Now, the reason I tell that story is that to us, walking into town to get a sarni is nothing. But to Claire, that was massive action. To Claire, going back to school and getting the kind of qualifications we might sniff at was massive action. Getting a life back together was massive action. Taking her son to the cinema to see Spider-Man was massive action. Going to the supermarket and actually buying her shopping instead of ordering in was massive action. Taking her daughter dress shopping was massive action. And ultimately, getting her kids back was massive action. But any one of those things in isolation would go, well, what's so special about going to the supermarket? Mm. Well, when you're agoraphobic, that's huge. So we need to stop looking at our lives through the bullshit myopic bubble 
that we create for ourselves and start thinking, hold on, what could I have learned from my past? What have I learned from my past that might help, help somebody else? Because I guarantee mm. you, the amount of people who've come to me and said, Taz, I want you to help me you know, build on my personal brand, because it's always build a personal brand. You can't create a personal brand because mm. we are a personal brand. It, it's us. It's who we are. Mm-hmm. You can't create one. That's BS. But you can build on what you have and keep it. There's a word again, authentic. Help me build my personal brand. Help me create visibility. Help me get out there. And they'll say, I have no story. Mm-hmm. I guarantee in every one of those cases, there'll be a story. But because we're looking at, at it through yeah. the veils we put up, we don't see it. Every yeah. one of you listening will have a really powerful, full and i'm deliberately saying power hyphen full rather than powerful you know the danes talk about max and craft power to power over you want to be powerful filled with the power of your potential filled with the power of your story not powerful having power over things yeah yeah and we all have that it just sometimes takes somebody else looking in to go wow look at that let me just retell you your story yeah. through my eyes and they go wow is that yeah. me I did it with a lady this morning who said she had no story and I just repeated back what she just told me, but in my words. And she just started crying and said, that's it. I never saw it in that way before. We all have stories. We just need to get beyond our own stilted vision. I'm totally with you on that. You're you're absolutely right. And uh, (laughs) I always mark it up as a massive success if I've made someone cry. Me too. (laughs) Happens fairly well. Oh, they're crying. Excellent. I've done yes, a good job Fantastic. Go on. Go team coach. Yay. Yay. Mark it up. <laughs> Woohoo. Woohoo. Do little dance. Okay. Yeah, do the sleepy dance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In all seriousness, it is. It is a, it is a really special moment because you just yeah. know. Because I know. You know. Because we do it. Because we find yeah. ourselves suddenly uh, out it comes. It's got well thing that we don't really think look at it what happened there and it's because somebody has just opened another one of those little doors and it's, it's vulnerability yeah. we're all terrified of being vulnerable and yet i see vulnerability as a superpower we yeah. shouldn't be afraid of being vulnerable that's what makes us relatable it was what makes us human it it's what makes people see past the marketing gump to the reality and the truth of who we are and go you know what i want to work with that person yeah use your vulnerability people not to the point of being a victim but don't be afraid to put yourself into a position where you feel a little bit metaphorically naked, even if you're just taking your socks off for now. Give yeah. people a dose little, of the real little you. Things. Yeah, little yeah. things, exactly. So that's right. So the last thing we want people to do is go out there and almost like, almost kind of create a dr- dramatic story in order no. because they think, oh, I need it to be. No, because it can be sometimes the minutest as you quite rightly say the minutest of things it's also the difference between recognizing i I get this a lot with people who come to me for speaker training and i'm talking about telling their story and every now and then i get someone who just wants to use the stage for a big cathartic splurge Mm -hmm. and that's not what it's about it's about looking at the things you've been through that Mm. have a teaching or an action Mm. that others can learn from whether you're talking on social or you've been interviewed on the on the podcast like this or on the radio whether you're speaking on a stage you need to have an uplift at the end. You need to leave people in that place of possibility. They need to leave there thinking, wow, what an inspirational message that was. Not, oh my God, that poor person. Yeah, oh my God. Oh, absolutely, 100%. So talking of leaving people with, uh, see what I did there. Nice. Thanks. Work it, baby. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Antoine, uh, if you can name the movie that quotes from people. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew we'd have fun with this. <laughs> this is this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. And what I've done, um, you might have noticed, I've taken full advantage of you um, and made you stay longer. Um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, because every now and then this happens, and I, I I've now decided to call them. I did one the other week um, called make it real long conversation i've just given it a title now so that it so i can justify the whole thing because i don't like putting anybody in boxes or constraints and sometimes when a conversation just flows like this you think ah there's no there's no way i'm gonna wrap this up so thank you for staying on and is there is there anything else that you want to is you know talking about that uplifting message should we should we leave the listeners with something Oh my goodness, which one should I choose? How <laughs> about putting me on the spot? Yeah, I know, I know, sorry. I think, I think there's an exercise we can all do, and it, it's one that I use whether I'm doing speaker training or confidence building or personal brand training. It's an exercise I think we can all do, and it helps us to start identifying those little nuggets of, of brilliance within our own story. So I want everybody listening to get a big piece of paper and draw a horizontal line on that piece of paper. Right, hang on, I'm going to um, do it. I'm going to do it. Go for it, right. go for it. Okay, okay, horizontal I've done Horizontal line it. on the piece of paper. Yeah. Um, now, the science part is most people go, oh, which way is horizontal? The clue is if I was any more laid back, I would be horizontal. Yeah. So yeah. At, the yeah. at the beginning <laughs> of that line, either write born or the year that you're born. And yeah. at the end of that line, unless you're really psychic and know your destiny, just put today. Mm -hmm. and then if you want to you can get all creative and use different colored pens or pencils mm -hmm. go back to your school days mm -hmm. and what i want you to do is in in roughly chronological order it doesn't need to be perfect but in roughly chronological order above the line i want you to just start marking down all of those points in your life that felt important the memories that spring up the pivotal moments and incidentally a pivotal moment is never a pivotal moment until after the point Mm. right down above the line all the ones that you at the moment are filing into kind of positive moments mm -hmm. and then below the line again in roughly chronological order just mark down all those points in your life that feel important feel pivotal but feel transformational something that you learn from that you would at the moment file as being negative mm. if there's anything that's just yeah that was an important point but it's a bit meh put that in the middle of the line yep and then you want to go through all of those points and you know you'll probably do this in the first setting in like 10 minutes but then keep revisiting it you'll find over it's that it's that whole whole thing old thing about layers of an onion every mm. time you go back to it you'll find something new so you can build on this mm. but then start going back to each of those points and first look at which are the points that i would be willing and able to share openly and of course there's things you've got to take into account there the first thing is am i brave enough and if it's an am I brave enough, sit with it, because we hope that one day you will be. Mm -hmm. But there will be other things to take into account. Am I going to hurt anybody else by putting this mm -hmm. out? Will this mm -hmm. impact anyone other than me? So you need to, you need to yeah. apply a little bit of caution. And then look at them and go, okay, what did I learn? Because I don't believe life happens to us. I believe life happens for us. So with each of those moments, why did it happen to me? Why did I call that into my life? And what did it do for me? What did I learn? Mm -hmm. If that hadn't happened, what would be different about my life today? Yeah. How has that moment enriched the person that I become? And then how many of those points contribute to the business that I'm running today, to my knowledge, to my skill set, to my outlook, to my empathy, to my emotional intelligence, to all of those things? 
And when you're ready, if you keep looking at that, you should find that each one of those little points on that map, and some of them might end up nudging above the line, you'll find each one of those is a little piece of content. The ones that mm. you're able to share safely, mm. each one of those is a nugget of information, and it's information that is magical to you. Nobody mm -hmm. else has that because it's your life. Yeah. And once you recognize what that teaching is, then you can get that out there. You can use it as for a podcast, for a video, for a blog, for a LinkedIn post, a Facebook post, Instagram post, whatever you like. But yeah. start looking at the map to your own life story and start finding the magic that you may have just skimmed over, might have thought nothing about. But if you look at it in that way, you'll start to find some really rich teachings. You'll find a really rich tapestry and lots of amazing, beautiful information that's special just to you that you can use to help other people with, to build credibility, to build rapport, to build relatability for you and your business. Ah, breathe. And breathe. That's beautiful. Um, only you have your experience. I think somebody on a previous episode said that, and I thought it's a lovely way of putting it. You know, yeah, it's, and we, isn't it weird? It's so blinking obvious, and yet it's one of those things that doesn't occur to us. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. That is a brilliant exercise. Oh, listeners, how lucky are you? What a treat. Where, Taz, do people get to know you more? You can find me all over social media. I'm even on Snapchat, but honestly, I don't really understand it. So I'm not there very often. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Insta. I'm even starting to dabble with TikTok. Or you can find me at Taz at TazThornton.com. Taz at TazThornton.com. That's a good starting place because I expect all your links are on there as well. So fabulous. Yeah, the website yeah. is TazThornton.com. Yeah, TazThornton. Yeah. Um, anyway, there'll be show notes. Everyone go. I sometimes wonder if anybody ever looks at the show notes, but, but I just carry on regardless. <laughs> so thank you, Taz. What a fabulous, um, we've just spent an hour chatting and that's we just, really, yeah. No, that is, oh, I'm really, I've worked out the whole afternoon for you, isn't it? Just in thank case. Thank you. Oh, I'm very honored. <laughs> um, but isn't it lovely that you said, have we really? Cause that suggests that it didn't feel like a chore. You know, it never does. When you're in flow and you're just conversing, it never does. And the same is true for social. When you use that properly, yeah. it doesn't feel like a chore exactly. when you're getting to the flow of recognising what's happened to me in the last week that I could turn into content. One of my mm -hmm. most successful LinkedIn posts was one where I started off going, I have no idea what to say. I genuinely didn't. So I just started there and a post formed. Just <laughs> Taz, thank you. I will let you have the rest of your day to yourself, which is very generous of me. Um, and <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> I'm forever in your debt. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we'll no doubt keep chatting um, on LinkedIn and all the rest of it. And hopefully we'll yes! Take action. Try this one small step. Well, I suggest you start finding your stories. Taz gives you an exercise to do draw that horizontal line, positive memories, negative memories below, and they can be tiny little things, silly stories, major transformational stories. But the main thing is start looking for the gems, the nuggets, the links, where you can find teachings for others, uh, because this is your experience and only you have it. Um, you'll be amazed. Any of you are thinking, ah, I don't have many stories, <laughs> you'll find them when you really do this as a conscious exercise. And then take your socks off. 
lot of fascinating stuff. You might need some show notes. So head over to trishalewis.com forward slash make it real podcast and subscribe because then you'll know when the next episode is available. I give you permission to go out and be real and enjoy it. Look forward to the next episode. Never be replaced.